When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, who, uh, you know, managed the store without me earlier this week. I, was it okay? Were you guys despondent? I assume you just like it tried. wonderful, yeah. actually. Oh, <laughs> look at you. I had like a whole jo- line of jokes I was going to play. It was going to be sort of self-deprecating. And you just went for the throat. This is this is friendship, folks. Uh, So, uh, okay. So Cubs just wrapped up series against the Pirates. They did the thing that's that makes a series win less fun. You know, winning the first two games, losing the finale. But it was you know competitive finale. It was the first runs that the Pirates had scored in the entire series, and even in the loss, you you could still point to the things that uh, remain. Uh, I don't know, impressive feels too strong, but like remain quality about this team. The bullpen was once again fantastic. David Robertson returning from the, in parentheses, probably COVID IL. I think we're not <laughs> not allowed to say it officially. But, I think Rob- yeah. Robertson said it himself yesterday. So Oh, he said yeah. it himself. Okay, confirmed. Confirmed, yes. confirmed COVID yeah. IL. And uh, confirmed and he was vaccinated and boosted as well. Oh, well, all right. Right on. See, I mean... But uh, and I bet it was a it was a you know well I shouldn't say I bet he came back looking quite strong so that is good and his uh, velocity was actually up a tick and a half so I wonder if the, you know time off got his arm nice and fresh and it was good it was just good to see that he hadn't missed a beat uh, tonight Thursday Marcus Stroman will be starting against the Diamondbacks in his return from the probably COVID uh, injured list and hopefully similarly he, you know no worse for the wear so. It is nice to see the Cubs starting to get some guys back. Uh, obviously, still a number of holes on the positional side, but that's where we get to the real subject of this podcast. <laughs> it's the Christopher Morell cast. Yes, the Cubs' latest superstar guaranteed to succeed forever and ever. Up. All right, you guys go. Tell me tell me your reactions to just how amazing and perfect and awesome Christopher Morell is. I honestly was talking to Patrick about this yesterday. I was like, were you a little surprised at how how pumped everyone was about that kind of meaningless home run? I mean, it was it was raw. I mean, he hit the crap out of it. I know it's his first at bat. I I was unaware that uh, there was some uh, kind of comeback story where he had some he walked into like some glass window or something like that and and hurt himself severely years ago like 6 7 years ago i didn't realize that he he kind of uh was almost like out of baseball in a sense i i don't i didn't know much about that or anything about that uh so so yeah i mean it was great for him um here's 
I, I read something on Fangraphs that compared him to uh, Chris Taylor eventually, and I think that is a great possible uh, endgame here. Like, if his best seasons are are uh, Chris Taylor like, that's that would be really impressive, and I think that's yeah, that's, that's a yeah. dream scenario. Yeah, which is, and I, I looked at the numbers and I can see it. You know, it, you know, strikes out quite a bit, not not a crazy amount, but high. Uh, but plays all over and and just kind of does everything at the plate. Uh, but it's the the swing and miss that can kind of make it an up and down type career and season. But I could see it. And I mean, look at that. Look at the plays he's made in a very short amount of time at third base. He looked good there yesterday, and we know he can kind of play all over. So I, I think it's a you know. Is he uh, a centerpiece? Is he the core? Is he a guy that you build around? Absolutely not. I'd be. I think that would be a real surprise. Is he a piece of a future winning team? Possibly. Which is, I mean, you need to see more of those come up, and then, and then, how do you get the big bats? How do you get the players you build around? Well, you may have one in Wilson Contreras. Do you keep him? And then, what what else do you have beyond that? Those are the questions that I think are. Uh, the Cubs have to try and answer over the next, uh, what is it, nine months or so if they plan on making 2023 a, a year that's just not another transition year. Yeah, I went back and forth on this one, Brett, of like, you know, on the one hand, I mean, we obsess about Cubs prospects. We, like, kind of the royal we in general. And, like, Brandon News was someone like, I had honestly never heard of before. And, like, but with him and Morell, I don't think even their like Twitter accounts are verified. Like, and you know, we used to like that used to be a big thing to track on kind of the young, you know, prospects coming up. And you know, Wilson Contreras, you know, his debut was on like ESPN Sunday Night Baseball for a team that was going <laughs> to win the World Series. Like that was. Uh, electric this garbage time home run I was a little taken aback at how kind of like big it became but I do see like this is what you know Cubs people talk about with Morel like his his energy and um, things like that and you could definitely see that like it was just cool to watch like just him <laughs> flip the bat you know twirl around miss first base like that was just awesome and you know, in talking to a Cubs person the other day, it was, you know, with Morell, you know, it's great to have that enthusiasm and energy, but there are certain times where you have to kind of dial it back a little or channel it in certain ways. We saw that with Javi. We saw that with Wilson. And I think Morell is at a point where, you know, he's gotten enough at bats. He, he really uh, got to see some high level pitching at that South Bend, um, alternate training site and you know that was obviously a difficult experience for everyone but I think that kind of helped him and then just kind of maturing a little bit to where um, he can kind of be an energetic presence and give like a boost to a team and not to mention just the baseline of competence on defense that's really helpful in general and especially when the Cubs have so many injuries up and down their lineup so you know, I thought the comparisons to Wilson's first home run were a little bit overblown, but he called it, and that was awesome too. Like, who tells teammates, "Yeah, I'm going to hit a home run in my first at bat," like, <laughs> and then does it, even if it was against the Pirates, it was still cool. 
I think I won't uh, speak for all Cubs fans, but I'll play a little bit of an armchair psychologist and speak to my reaction to that moment and and, and why it, it spoke to so many of us so much. Because, I mean, I was watching, I was, um, so, you know, I'm Eastern time zone, so it's a little bit later for me. So I was watching in bed and my wife was sleeping next to me and um, I yelped. I mean, when he hit that, I yelped and jumped up and had to run out of the room because I was so excited. I, I mean, I knew I had to write about it real quick, but also I was just really excited. And I, I think you guys talking about it has me exploring for a moment. Okay, well, why was that so exciting? Because genuinely, and we saw this across Cups Twitter, I saw it at Bleacher Nation, saw it you know everywhere. People were freaking wildly stoked for that moment. And I think it's a combination of a few things. I think, you know, across most of the fan base there's not a desire to see a rebuild but there's always an interest in seeing prospects succeed and when the team at the big league level is not succeeding you kind of even if you explicitly don't want it under the hood you're like well i hope we can at least see some good prospect stuff so you're kind of waiting on that and morell was maybe the first call up this year who did have some kind of a track record among the prospect nerdery of being like a potential legit prospect. Um, and then lastly, or maybe not lastly, because there are just a ton of factors. Cubs were on a little bit of a winning streak, so the energy was high. People were just sort of in a happy mood, so that's a factor. And then you've got... Um, uh, he just is such an energetic, likable player that his, the way he reacted, I think, was it it connected to us and made us react even bigger and then i think uh you know i'm losing what the, i had i had like the last bit but this is see this is why i'm not a psychologist i'm just a, a rando who talks <laughs> about the cubs but <laughs> I, I think so it's just a confluence of factors oh i know what it was we haven't had a moment like that in a long time where it was just like this pure nice good unexpected positive moment that everybody could agree everyone across the spectrum of perspectives on the cubs could agree that that was a nice fun moment and so i think that creates a feedback loop of excitement and energy and uh, you know it was really nice to see i think i think for uh, the fans we can't overstate how nice that was because you you guys are correct in noting that it was garbage time homer didn't matter in the game it probably now has created outsized expectations for what Morel can be, um, in the near term at least. So we'll deal with that in time. But I think it was just it was just a time when it was like, thank God, something nice, something just you know uniformly, universally nice to enjoy. Yeah, I can see that. I I I think the point you made of does it about creating outsized expectations. That's what I worry about because. Seems like a good kid. Seems like he can have a productive career, but if it's not an everyday player, if it's not a star, that doesn't mean it's a disappointment, right? It, but it could turn out to be for certain fans, right? I think like the Brandon Hughes. Did I get his name wrong? No, yeah, no, his name's Brandon Hughes, right? <laughs> Brandon Hughes. That, that says a lot, right there. <laughs> the Brandon Hughes outing is just as important. Like having pictures like that. I know fans are like, oh, it's just a reliever. I mean, these guys that they're bringing up, Efros, uh, 
you know, so many others that are impacting the bullpen and rotation, even if they're not superstars, even if Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson aren't all stars. I mean, this is what was missing. These are the little things that was missing towards the the post 2016 run. Right. I mean, it's what these are some of the big reasons why everything didn't work out as planned, as hoped. Uh, They weren't filling in the gaps with talent from their system. So if you have to go out and spend money on a reliever that takes away from adding that contact hitter that you don't have or that, you know, superstar power bat that you could go out and get. Maybe, you know, they have money for Bryce Harper because they're not spending it on Brandon Morrow and Tyler Chatwood and still go out and get you Darvish, right? This is the Cubs. This is a big market team. Uh, The Dodgers go out and spend big money still. The Yankees go out and get Garrett Cole, but then they also develop uh, random guys and and hit on random uh, players that fill in the gaps. And I think that's that's what the Cubs need to do to turn this around. Uh, so yeah, Christopher Morrell is important, uh, but Brandon Hughes is important too. And they're important, not because they're superstars, but because they, you know, they, they are going to produce innings and, and take it bats and, and, and give them quality defense uh, for not a lot of money. And they're produced through their system. And, and now you can go out and theoretically spend on big name players that's what you know that that's what the fans want to see right they want to see superstars but these little uh these little developments are important to be able to do that and really have sustained success yeah it's funny we talk about the cubs developing pitchers and it turns out they just had to draft like michigan state outfielders and whatever the 17th round and then let them wash out and <laughs> give them a chance to yeah. pitch and you know he was recruited to michigan state as a two-way guy and and did throw a bit then had a shoulder injury that I think dated back to high school and you know they needed kind of a center fielder and uh you know I think in talking to people who know Brandon you know two things stand out in terms of like you know he probably doesn't get that chance if he does not have great makeup if the organization did not view him really highly just not only in terms of his you know physical abilities but also just the way he carries himself, his work ethic, his determination. And obviously, you know, he applied that on his own, particularly during that pandemic year of figuring out how to increase some velocity uh, to pair with some of the other ideas that the Cubs had presented. And, you know, this is really uh, on him. And, and I, Ross has mentioned this as well of like, you know, I like to hear about guys, you know, dealing with adversity, whether it was like Efros having to totally reinvent himself as a side armor or use having to forge this second career as a pitcher that, you know, Ross thinks that matters, you know, in terms of developing, you know, a short memory at the big league level or being able to handle uh, certain moments in the spotlight. And you know, I thought Sahadev, your story today was an excellent overview of some of these pitching gains and what it might mean moving forward that even, even these incremental gains uh, with kind of role players or, you know, kind of back of the rotation starters or swing men like Keegan Thompson, like that all adds up and could really significantly shape uh, how this rebuild looks in the coming years. And it's probably not going to look the way it did in 2012, 13 and 14. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, yeah, I so I, got, I have a lot that I want to say about that stuff, and I don't know which direction to take it because I think, in a way, Sahadev's point about, and your underscore, Mooney, about this, all of this stuff at the margins mattering it, it it's that's a tale that plays both now as the Cubs are reconstructing the organization and competing, but it's also going to be true in theory when they are good again. And what I hope we're seeing, um, and hopefully it will extend beyond the bullpen and these multi-inning types, is I hope we are seeing the fruits of a systemic change from bottom to top, from player acquisition to development, to working with them at the big league level, to deploying them in the right situations and games, et cetera, et cetera. Because I don't think anyone could credibly argue at this point, especially after the last three years, that the Cubs don't have something cooking when it comes to relief arms in particular. And that is at the prospect level. It's also at the reclamation veteran level. They just have an ability to make it work and really improve guys. And I, I, you know, it hit me, this may not last. So don't people don't, don't, you know, hold me to, to, to this for too much longer, but it was just something I noticed and I wanted to comment on. So Chris Martin Cubs reliever, we haven't talked about, I don't know that we've mentioned his name at all on this podcast. And I know that I realized this morning I hadn't written about him basically at all this season. And he has been one of the best relievers in the bullpen by the results, by the stuff, by the production, every way you would look at it. Now, it's been a very good bullpen, so that's saying a lot. Um, and I started to dig into him. Like, okay, how is he doing it this year? And uh, Martin is almost 36. He's been successful for a while. It's not as if he needed to reinvent himself this year to have success. You know, if he did what he did the last few years, he would still be a solid reliever. Well, I noticed that he has seen a dramatic uptick in his cutter usage with more vertical drop than he's ever had. He has uh, increased his sinker usage, which is something that we see often from the Cubs uh, in these type of arms. And he is getting dramatically more ground balls than he's ever gotten in his career. He gets the third most ground balls among all relievers in baseball right now. Bet nobody knew that till today. I certainly didn't. It just wasn't something I had looked at. Now, He's still striking guys out. He's not walking anybody. It's all working together. But it just made me think, you know, if the Cubs can next level a 36-year-old reliever who already was good and who nobody thought like, oh, this guy needs to really change things to be successful. I mean, they, they just have something really special under the hood that I hope they don't lose and that I hope they can continue to channel when... A guy like Martin being awesome in a season is about a march toward the postseason and not toward, oh man, he's going to be a tremendous trade ship in July. So I don't know. I don't know what you, if you guys want to say anything about that or take that anywhere. And again, the point about Martin specifically is, is I don't want to go too far with that because this might change. It might be a small sample artifact, all that kind of stuff. But it just made me think about this topic and about the 
difference between doing it now and doing it in a year or two or three when you Cubs are going to need to win. Yeah, well, I, I think that last point is is really important, right? And I, I've, I've been kind of touching on this over the past few weeks of like, wow, you really hope you can carry this over, right? You really hope these past couple of years of developing these relievers isn't just randomness and, and a little bit of luck mixed in with, obviously something's working, right? I think Tommy Hadovy is is a smart pitching coach and, and he has smart people around him, especially guys like Chris Young and now Daniel Moscos and, and Danny Hulson, but there's something there you have to hope that when they're in real contention that they can carry that over and that it's real that it's that that it's not just a couple years and and then they fall behind but the but rather that they continue to figure things out and move forward i think i think it's real i think that just kind of jumping off that and and to the whole broader point of pitching development the players believe in it. The players believe something has changed. I, you know, it, Justin Steele has been in this system since what 2015? Is that right? 2014. Because I think Fork, Fork, he, was in the, Warb, he was in the yeah, Schwarber draft. Yeah, the Schwarber yeah. savings and parks. Yes, yeah. he flat out told me it. it it's completely different. He said he said he didn't he didn't know any other metrics other than velocity until he was in like double a he didn't really know anything about that type of stuff he didn't understand it he didn't know much about it wasn't really presented to him uh in 19 he said that completely changed and it really helped the way he thought about pitching and the way he attacked his player development uh that slider that he throws which is one of the best in baseball is a new pitch. It's from 2020. It's from the alternate site. I mean, this is real stuff. Like when people say the Cubs can't develop pitching, you can't say that anymore. You can't say that they're not impacting young pitchers with, you know, teaching them new pitches, developing them in unique ways and, and maximizing and leveraging uh, technology and data in their favor. It, it was something that they didn't do. They just, I mean, Theo Epstein admitted it. They, whatever you want to call it, what, what did he call it? The winner's curse or something like that. And you kind of fall behind the times because you think you know what you're doing. And it, it worked. That, it, that worked at one point, but they fell behind in a game that was rapidly changing. We've talked about this, and I think we're starting to really see it pay off. I mean, all these guys that we're seeing come up uh, are... I mean, I don't remember really seeing pitchers like this come up in the recent years, right? They just didn't have this. Type. It's it's beyond just the results. Like, the actual stuff wasn't there, right? It, like, very rarely would see James Norwood come up with this stuff, and he just couldn't execute it properly. Uh, it's it's been, it's been refreshing to see because I, I would like to see it done differently. It'd be great if they, they're, they're able to develop all these pitchers because p- nasty pitching is fun to watch it. When, when it's uh, you know really clicking, like it, I like I was alluding to before, I liked the I thought the Brandon Hughes outing was much more exciting than the like five strikeouts. You know, you get five oh, outs and five. strikeouts. I meant strikeouts. to say that. Sorry, I meant to say that too. That was also part of why the Morel moment was so explosive because people were primed because of the Brandon Hughes out. We were like, oh my God, this is wonderful because of, so you're right. Yes, that was, that was truly awesome. I mean, it was, that's, that's really hard to do. I know it's the pirates, but still let's swing and miss nasty stuff. Great story there. I mean, there's, this is, there's something going on here with the pitching. 
I think fans would want want like an impact dominant starter. Guess what? Those guys are just rare. You know, like they're really hard to find. And even when when the Cubs were getting hit for not developing any pitching, those impact top of the rotation guys are usually the ones that are drafted in the first round. Very rarely do you see these impact superstar starters. But if you get a guy like Caleb Killian to be a solid two or three, maybe that's even pushing too hard on him and, and expecting too much. But if that's what he turns into, if one of if one of these guys does right, Keegan, Justin Steele, Caleb Killian, whoever Cam Sanders comes up and surprises us whenever he's he's ready, whatever it is. If if there if there is someone that's uh, more than just a back of the rotation filler, that that completely changes how you attack and build a team. And it's I feel like they've set themselves up. They're setting themselves up to have those type of surprises, right? One of the at some point they're going to have a surprise where someone may not be on a top one hundred list, but comes up and and is like, wow, this guy's an all star starter type. This guy looks completely different than what anyone expected. Well, I largely agree with everything you guys have said. I'll just be a cranky contrarian just so to close it out. <laughs> I just think the only thing I would say is that like if you were starting an expansion team tomorrow, like building a bullpen would be like pretty low down on the list and like side of saying like want to see them develop a starter. I want to see how this fits into like a broader landscape of like where is payroll going to go? Like what sort of um, urgency will Jed be operating with? What, like how are those internal pressures going to reveal themselves? And and I think that, you know, it would be awesome if they had an assembly line of, you know, kind of one to two inning pitchers and it's supplemented by signing like a couple big time starters this winter, you know, and, that doesn't have to be like the John Lester deal and talking about changing the culture. Like, but if it's a Syndergaard, a Sean, Sean like a couple of guys like that to go with Hendricks and Stroman, then it's like, okay. And, and I do know that on the hitting side, like the Cubs are not nearly as confident in where they're at right now. And that, you know, I think Sahadev, you mentioned that in your story today, like, like Brennan Davis is kind of the only impact position player above the single a level ish. And he's in Arizona, um, you know, with back soreness, it hasn't been a great year for him thus far. It's not about Brennan, but it's just that there is a pretty significant gap. And, like, if they do trade Wilson, you know, what kind of where is this headed? And so that I think, you know, maybe what we're seeing out of the bullpen and some of these uh, homegrown pitchers is, like, a sign to where they will extend themselves more in this coming off season that they will act more aggressively. I just personally am kind of in wait and see mode on that one. Okay. So last licks. Um, I think that's all fair, by the way, Mooney, um, the, the disparity between where the pitching develop, where our thoughts are on pitching development vis-a-vis the big league team. And then the positional side, I think there's a lot more of like, I kind of need to see it on the positional side for me. Um, so we'll leave that part there. I did want to not, I didn't want to ignore, and I don't know to what extent you guys touched on this in the previous episode while I was gone, but speaking to this point, two of the best starts we have seen from Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson happening all this week. 
Um, the Keegan Thompson start in particular stood out to me because from the jump, he was pitching like he pitches out of the bullpen. He was using all of his pitches. He was sort of max effort. There just there wasn't really any holding anything back. And uh, he was permitted to go up to 65 pitches, which feels like a lot. He was so efficient that that was five innings. I wouldn't count on 65 pitches being five innings every time. But that was a uh, it was an eye-opening outing for me. Um, and it made me think, and I bet you it made the Cubs and David Ross wonder, okay, we still like him to be this bridge guy and hate to not have him available in that. And we're about to have five starting pitchers back. But boy, wouldn't it be nice to know if Keegan could do that again in another start. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. No chance they go six man for a while, right? I haven't gotten that indication, but I don't believe Ross has I, been straight up asked. I, I mean, feel like the other night recently? he was asked about Keegan was Thompson. It? He was kind of like, I think Keegan's pretty good in the role that he had. That's really valuable too. Thank so um, that was, I mean, you got a couple of double hitters, double headers coming up uh, on the horizon. Yeah. There's going to be more injuries. There's going to be more, you know, injury designation. Uh, sorry. Injured list moves without injury, specific injury designations and, and things like that. So I'm sure he will get more starts, but I think Ross has been pretty consistent all along that he likes Keegan in that role, and we can debate whether or not it makes sense to, you know, throw out this uh, war leader when you're down three to four runs like every time. Like I, that to me is probably a whole separate podcast on the value of war. Like if he's at, um, I just don't see the value when <laughs> your team's getting blown out and then you get the other team out. Like that to me is a little counterproductive, but it sounds like Ross likes him in that swingman role. And I would say too, uh, I mean, I set up the question, but I, I don't see the six man either in large part because uh, what, and the beginning of not next week, but the week after bullpens are maxed out at eight with, or excuse me, well, it's pitchers maxed out at 13 on the roster pretty hard to imagine going with six starters and only seven in the bullpen. So yeah, I, I don't see it either. And um, that, by the way, just another looming thing that we talk about the, the Cubs have been so successful with all their arms this year, even with a ton of them hurt there, it's going to be a crunch get to 13. We're going to see a good pitcher. If everybody's healthy, th- excuse me, if everybody who is currently healthy is still healthy, uh, we're going to see a good pitcher moved out. That's just how it is. And we're going to see today with Marcus Stroman returning, we're probably going to see a pretty good pitcher moved out. That's just the nature of, of the quality depth among that type of pitcher right now for the Cubs. Yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of echo uh, Patrick. I, I know he was saying he didn't want to go too negative, but it, I don't know what it is, but the more this season has gone along, and I'll probably start feeling this more and more as as they it becomes clear that they're sellers. But I just can't, I can't stomach uh, another bridge year. Another like I want to see what happens at the deadline and this off season. I want to know that this team isn't going to say, well, it's not going as quickly as we thought or developments haven't happened in the way that we thought. There need to be some moves and and uh, a plan in place to, yeah, do they need to go into 2023 as clear 
World Series contenders? No. But do they need to have a roster that on paper, even not where everything clicks, but it's like, yeah, I see this as a contender for the NL Central. And with six playoff spots, definitely a playoff contender. This is a team that can make a run. I'm just like I feel more and more strongly about it that there are no more bridge years. We, we've given them this 2022 to try and figure things out, and that's that's just how it should be. Like they they shouldn't have to wait that long. Uh, there's enough talent that you can piece together pitching to go spend on on the the bats. Go go trade. You don't have to keep every single one of these prospects. Yeah, will it hurt if you'd go and trade for some pre-arb guy because an other team is being cheap? Go take advantage of the cheap, cheap teams is what I'm saying. Go find a bat and go sign a bat. And, and you be the Chicago Cubs, not the Tampa Bay Rays. There's no – these bridge years shouldn't be happening anymore. But the, the, they, had, they had the rebuild a decade ago, and they're having this little – Whatever it is, rebuild right now, but it can't be four or five years. It just it, it's shouldn't Cubs fans shouldn't expect accept it. And I get the angry ones, uh, people that are just kind of turning off to the team in general. I I get it. And the more you the more you see these losing seasons, the more it's like nope, it, it just shouldn't happen. If you spend and you lose, okay, that it didn't work out. But you got you got to build something here that that fans really want to embrace. Uh, well put. I think that's a good place to wrap it up because it's it's hard, I think, to find that balance in how we talk about this and how we write about this of like there can be positive developments going on beneath the surface and you can explain kind of what the organization is thinking and where they're coming from. But ultimately, uh, it's about the wins and losses at the major league level and the Cubs have not done that enough thus far. They did not... Uh, Last year, their payroll is nowhere near where it should be for a big market team that charges the most expensive ballpark experience in baseball. So I do think it'll be fascinating to see how uh, all of these pressures play out over the next several months. I think that's all fair, gentlemen. But since I don't want to leave our listeners on a dour note, I will say, hey, Cubs can win their fourth straight series if they can win. Uh, well, they're going to have to take three. So it's always four gamers are tough to win the series, but they could at least maybe not drop the series. And then, therefore, <laughs> we could say they have not lost a series in four series. So there you go. Cubs, Diamondbacks this weekend. Uh, and we will be back to you early next week. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get theirs at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.